0: Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: Welcome to 2020 Vision. If you weren't here last weekend, uh, my son Joe, Joe Jr., he, he did the first lesson and him and I already had that plan that he would do the first lesson and I watched it online and it was absolutely life-changing. Borman Warren, can we give it up for Joe and say awesome job? It was just amazing. And, and and if you weren't here, listen, listen, if you weren't here, um, he explained vision in a way that was absolutely amazing. So it will really help you grasp the rest of this series if you listen to that first lesson. So I want to open up with a story. This is one of my Joe stories, true story. Um, this happened my first couple of years of Christianity, right? And I was... Uh, uh, saved or accepted Jesus at 19. And I wasn't a great kid. So I came out of great sin or great darkness. And I was so excited about Jesus. You know, the Bible says he that's forgiven him much will love much more. And I just was excited. And for that first couple of years, I read my Bible every time I had a chance. I got into church every time I had a chance. And then the worship team at church, I I just felt when they worshiped, it was like angels were there. And I just, it just was the most amazing atmosphere. And then the pastor, when he taught a lesson, it was like, whoa, it was changing my life. And first couple of years were amazing. And then it died down. And back then my default was always this is how I was born. I've overcome it, so, so don't worry now. But my default was to blame other people. It could never be my fault, right? So I began to blame other people, and and I just thought, well, maybe God's mad at me. Maybe he's punishing me. Maybe I did something wrong, so I'm trying to figure out what did I do wrong. Because, I mean, it felt like God was active in my life at home every day, and now all of a sudden nothing's there. And then I thought, well, there's a devil. Maybe he's attacking me. I, I wasn't sure. But then I just thought, well, maybe the worship team just isn't praying enough, man. This might Be their problem. They're not preparing for service. Then I thought maybe my pastor isn't preparing, and I just I just began to blame everybody. Then I had some mature Christians that I knew, and uh, they told me, no, it's none of that. You just came off your honeymoon with Jesus, and you happened to be on a longer honeymoon because you were so bad, and so you had a longer one. But we all come off of it, and they said, join. Join our ranks of the bummed out Christians. And, and that's the kind of advice they gave me. And I wasn't happy with that, but I didn't know the answer, you know? I, I wasn't sure why, but I just said, God, how could I have this for two years? Just, it's not like I had coffee with him for breakfast, but it was just like he was always there and he was moving in my life and it was amazing. I was excited, everything made sense and then it died down. Well, it took me years to figure out what it was, and I eventually figured out it wasn't God, it wasn't the devil, not that he doesn't attack us. Um, I figured out it wasn't people, not that people can't let us down at times, but I figured out it was me. And it literally was a vision issue. It was a vision issue with me, with Joe. And that's my big idea. I put it in the big idea today. If you're visiting, my big idea is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than you've ever understood it. So I I just do my whole lesson around bringing this big idea out, making it alive. Some of you know this, so I'm not going to teach you something you don't know. I'm going to help you go to the next level. Some of you walked in what I'm about to teach, but you've fallen away. I'm going to encourage you to get back Into it. And then some you're hearing it for the first time. The first time you hear anything in the Bible is just really exciting. So you're going to have one incredible day. But here's the big idea, guys we don't need a change of scenery, we need a change of perspective. Perspective is our attitude, it's vision. So today we're going to deal with a vision that you and I have just for our individual lives. And we're going to talk about that. But listen to the first part we don't need a change of scenery. Isn't that true? How when things begin to go bad in our life, it's like, man, if I, if I just got into another relationship, everything would be better. Or if I just moved out of Northeast Ohio, everything would be better. And sometimes God wants us to move. So I'm not saying that's not true. But the majority of the time, we don't need a scenery change. And then we figure it out because I've made some scenery changes. And then you know what happens? I make the scenery change And then it's like, I find out, oh no, I came with me and the same attitudes I had are still there and I'm ruining the new scenery. So I ruin the scenery I go to. And so what we want to do is we want to understand we don't need a scenery change. We need to change a perspective. And we see this with the nation of Israel. You know, the New Testament says we should take a look at what happened in in the nation's life and it should be an example. So we understand we need to work the principles that they work to get out of their problems, and so they have a glorious beginning. You know God pulls Abraham out of the whole of all the nations, and He makes the nation of Israel with him and then they, they do well, but then they end up in egypt it 's a good thing the reason they go, but then a new Pharaoh comes and he enslaves them, and they 're slaves for hundreds of years. And then God raises Moses up. And then this nation saw God do these 10, I mean, these incredible miracles. They were plagues, but he got Pharaoh to let them go. And then Pharaoh says, get out of here. And they're going, but they have the Red Sea in front of them. God led them that way purposely. And then Pharaoh decides, I'm not going to let them go. And he's coming with this entire army, all the chariots. He's going to chop them down. And guess what God does? He splits the Red Sea and they go through it. And then it comes down and falls on Pharaoh. He never bothered them again. They became a nation. They were nothing after that. And they haven't been anything since, right? And so then uh, they're in the wilderness. They don't have anything to drink. And God brings water out of a rock. And then he feeds them with this thing called manna. And then they got tired of the manna. And they said, we had too much manicotti. I don't want any more manicotti, God. is good, but to eat it every day. It's no good. And they said, we want some meat. And so he, can you imagine, they historians, they all say the same thing. They were a million plus people. Can you imagine? God brought quail and they would fall down. And even though they sinned in that, God still had mercy on them and God still fed them. It was amazing. One miracle after another, he helped them take the promised land. But you know what they kept doing? They kept changing their perspective, going back to that old perspective, falling out of fellowship with God, sinning, But God is so amazing. So now, 600 years later, in the book of Isaiah, he's writing to them again. And this isn't the first time he's had to say this to them. But it's amazing what he says. I believe he's speaking it to each and every one of us here. It's Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Listen to this. But forget about it. Wait, no, God's not Italian. Uh, uh. But forget all that, right? It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. And you know it's, it's not new in the sense he's never done it, but it's going to be new for them. And you know what? God wants to do some really new, cool things in your life. He goes on to say, "See, I have already begun." And then he's, he mentions this next phrase, "Do you not see it?" See, it's a perspective issue, and he's, he's encouraging them to change their perspective, because if you can't see it up here you, Most probably won't see it in your life. And so he says, do you not see it? I titled this lesson, Can You See It? And I'll bring that back up quite a few times today. But notice this. He says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland or the desert. The wilderness is an area that's so thick there's just no way out of it. When I was a little boy, we had these woods behind our house. And in junior high, I practically lived in those woods. And uh, I used to pretend I was Tarzan. Not kidding. I read all those Tarzan books. I don't know, 33 little, you know, paperbacks. And I would just go back there and I'm Tarzan and didn't have Jane yet. Jane came later. And, uh, but, but I'm back there. And one day I ventured far, far, far further than I ever ventured. And I, and I went, I'm going through all these branches with, with their, their uh, thorns and I'm in shorts and short sleeves and my arms are ripped up and I'm trying to get out of it, but I ended up getting further into it. And I'm like, I don't know how to get out. And then in order to get out, I had to go back through a bunch of thorns, you know, and That's what the picture is painted here. Don't we come into those kind of places in our life sometimes where whether it's a valley or it's a storm, whatever it is, relationship, our bodies, finances, doesn't it seem sometimes like there's no way out? And God is saying, you need a perspective change because I'm the God that makes a pathway when there's no way out. And you and I need to see God for who he is. Or how about the times in our life where everything dries up? That's how it was for my, after two years, everything dried up. And God says, oh, no, 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 don't blame anybody, Joe. And don't blame me, whatever you do, because I'm the God that brings rivers into the dry places. But guess what? Can you see it? It's a perspective issue. And that's what I want to help us understand in this lesson. So one thing you want to understand about God, and I think this is so important, and it's in Malachi. Listen to this, guys. Malachi 3.6. I am the Lord. I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. You may not understand the latter part, but Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And he says, the fact that I don't change is why you guys haven't been destroyed. And you know, one part of God's character that will never change, none of of his character changes. You know, there's a part of his character called mercy. And that's what he's saying to them. I don't change. If I changed, I would have already taken you out as a nation. Yeah, he's punished them a few times. He's disciplined them. But he says, I do not change. And that's why you're still breathing because of my mercy. And I think of myself and I think, if God didn't have mercy, I wouldn't be your pastor. He, even after I met Jesus, he would have taken me out with lightning bolts because I messed up, I made mistakes. But aren't you glad he's a God of mercy? Can we all just take a minute and say, thank you, God, for your mercy? <laughs> Woo! That is important. But, but here's what else you want to understand. He doesn't change. He just doesn't change. And so it's not God. It's our perspective. And that's why I say we don't need a scenery change. We need a perspective change. And it changes everything when we begin to see God for who he is. And he is amazing. So I heard it said, and this just blew my mind. Do you know that cows... Uh, you know, if the farmer wants to take them out to pasture and they have a gate to go to pasture, they say if you move the gate over here, they keep going to the old gate, and that that blows my mind. And here's the thought I have: I don't want to become like an old cow because the gate can represent vision, right? And 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 they keep going back to this wrong perspective, and and. God said, no, there's a new way. There's a new perspective. They keep going back to the old. And and here's a real life story. This just happened. Uh, This past summer, Gina and I sold our home, moved into another place. And uh, we go home practically the same way as we used to, to our new place, except we come to one intersection at the end. And to go to our old home, we made a right. But to go to our new home, we have to make a left. And Gina and I have done this together. We've done it separate. Just subconsciously, we're driving like we always do, but we end up making a right. And one time I went all the way to my old driveway and I thought, what am I doing here, right? And one time I'm with Gina and I'm trying to make a right. She goes, uh-huh, uh uh-huh, it's left. I'm like, thank you. But she's done it on her own. I've done it on my own. And that's how we become people. That's how we become as Christians. We just, it's so easy to go back to the old way of thinking. It's so easy to go back to the old perspective. And I find myself having to fight that over and over again. And I have learned that we want to focus on what God has promised and we want to focus on what God can do. So I came up with two gates. I think they're really important gates. I could have picked three, could have picked four, could have picked five, but obviously I would have had you here uh, till three o'clock if I picked five, and I didn't want to do that to you because not only do you want to eat, I want to eat after service, right? So, so good thing you have a pastor that wants to eat after service, right? So, so here we go. I want to share the first gate with you, right? Uh, here's the gate. Don't go back to the gate of hopelessness. You know, the Bible says before we met Christ, we were without God and hopeless in this world. I lived in the gate of hopelessness my whole life before I met Jesus. You know what the gate of hopelessness is? There's no way out. I mean, I don't have the strength to get out, I'm stuck here. That's the gate of hopelessness. You know, sometimes we walk through valleys, that's, that's a bad time. And sometimes we walk through storms, that's a bad time in our life, a little more aggressive than a valley. And we walk through those times, and you know what, sometimes we, we can't get out quickly, but can I tell you what God wants to do? He wants to bring a stream into your desert. He wants to bring a stream of life, and you can walk through that valley with the same joy you would walk through a good time with. That's the God that we serve. He wants to bring strength into your life. But you know what else God promised us? He said, "I shall deliver you from every evil work and keep you safe until you go to heaven." So He's also the God that makes a pathway and delivers us. But this gate of hopelessness is, I'm, I'm on my own. I have, to, I have to conquer this by myself. And it's hopeless because in and of our own strength, in most areas of life, we are hopeless. But now that we've accepted Jesus, there's a new perspective we need to make sure we have. There's a vision we have to have for our life. And here's the new gate. Our new gate is the gate of hope. And hope is, I can get through this. Hope is I can get out of this, but the reason I can get through it, the reason I can get out of it is because my God is God and my God can make a pathway. My God can bring some water, some river into my life. And that's the new perspective. And I can tell you, I've known this for years now, but guess what? I keep, like an old cow, keep trying to go back to the gate of hopelessness, and I'll find myself sometimes, whether it's bad news or a tough time, and I just want to weep and cry, and I'm, I can see why I'm not an actor. I, I cry like Robert De Niro. He can't cry, right? And he's the worst crier ever, and every time he cries, I'm like, come on, you're an actor, cry. And, and so, so I cry like him, and so, and so here we are, just having some fun, and I'd go back to my old way, right? And I'd be hopeless, Oh God, woe is me, and my life is so tough. And why did you do this to me? And why didn't you do this or do that? And just go hopeless. Oh no, this is going to end bad. Oh no, I'm in trouble. Oh no, oh no. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't go back to that old gate. He wants to give us some vision, new perspective. He wants to do something new in your life. He wants to bring you and I to a place to where we know that God is going to do something. God is going to show up. And here's, here's one of the scriptures that changes, changed my perspective. It changed all of our perspective. It goes like this, Romans 8.31. What can we ever say to such wonderful things as these? Can I encourage you to read the verses above? Some of them are, you know, we're in trouble and so on and so forth. God always comes through. God always sustains. Listen to the latter part. If God is on our side, who can ever be against us? I want that to sink in. If God is on our side, who can ever be against us? And it's not like God's going to punish those people you don't like. Some of you're sitting here, you know, you're new and like, oh God, would you, would you strike them with lightning? I'm tired of that person. No, no, that's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about this, guys. If God is on our side, he'll always make a pathway. He'll always bring rivers of life. Maybe you need some power. Maybe you need some energy, some strength. Maybe you need peace. joy. He will always bring what we need. And you and I can walk through life. And this is what gives me hope. This is a hope verse, man. God's on my side. And it's not because I'm perfect. It's because he's a God of love, a God of mercy, and we accepted Jesus Christ. And he says, I am with you. There's where the hope comes, like spark of hope. And you know what? You and I have to change our perspective. There was a man in the Bible. His perspective wasn't right. Of course, how would he know? He didn't know the scriptures, but he had this son and he didn't know what was wrong with him, but he just knew something's wrong with my son. And he saw what was happening. And he went to Jesus' disciples and they they couldn't, they prayed and nothing happened. And, And then he found Jesus later and he said, hey, I went to your disciples. They couldn't help me. And then they he told Jesus what he was dealing with. And here's here's what he said, Mark 9, 22. It, whatever it is, has often thrown him, my son, into fire or water to kill him. And then he says this, and I can understand why he asked this question, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. That is not a bad question. That is not a bad prayer to whisper. So he's talking to the creator of the universe He's saying, I don't know what's wrong with my son. And we find out that his son had a demon, but you know what? No matter what's going on in our life, Jesus can help us. So this isn't about that. It's not about healing. It's just about the fact, if God be for us, who can be against us, right? Mm-hmm. So he says to Jesus, if you can help me, and here's the, here, here's the perspective change. Jesus is trying to get all our perspectives in the right place. And here's what Jesus says. If, if you can, said Jesus. Translate it if you take it in context, so we make sure we get it. He's saying, if I can, me, if I can. Listen, buddy, I'm God. Sure I can. And then you might wonder, do you want to? Yeah, I'm God and I want to. But let me let me change your perspective. I want to give you some hope. I want to focus you in the right direction. He goes on to say, everything is possible for one who Believes, And who's, who's the one believing? It's the perspective we have. So we're not going to God doubting. We're not going to God saying, if you can. We're going to God saying, I know you're God. I know you're the creator of the universe. And I'm asking you to make a pathway for me. I'm asking you to bring some rivers of life into my life. And when we change that perspective, it's like a switch. It releases God to begin to do some amazing things in our lives. And I want to ask you a question can you see it? Can you see that God is the God that makes a pathway? Can you see that God's the God that brings rivers of life into our life? And wherever you're at right now, some of you, man, you're in a relationship and, and, and it's a problem, right? And you know sometimes in a relationship, you need to walk away. The other person just won't change. But a lot of times, we just need to change and we need to change our perspective. And it's amazing how we can influence people if we make some changes. You can influence people to go, to, the, to the, uh, the right side of the force, so to speak, right? Not the dark side. It's, it's just you and I can do those things. And some of you right now in some hopeless situations, and I just want to encourage you, I want you to see this. If God be for you, who can be against you? And I want to ask you a question. What are you expecting God to do in your life? Because that's what he's telling this man. He's saying, if you can expect me to do something, then you're opening the door in your life for me to be able to do what I want to do. And I want to ask you a question. I love doing this. I saw Joe Jr. do it last week. Here's my question. Are you excited and can you thank God that he is the God of hope and he can do anything in your life? And if so, TCI Borman Warren, can we just give it up for a moment and say, thank you, God. That's amazing. It's amazing. And this next one, I want to deal with one more gate. And, and 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 I wanna encourage us not to go back to the gate of lack. And you know, twice a year I like to just touch the subject of, of, of our money, just touch it. and And I wanna to touch it from the right perspective because I have fallen back into this gate many times. I've been tempted to fall into this gate. And you know what this gate is? I can't make it. There's no way I can make it financially or I can't be generous because I don't have enough, and it's the gate of lack. Now, guys, listen. I think this is one of the most important gates. Of course, this isn't the gate. Here's the gate we wanna to go to. We, our new gate is the gate of blessing, and, and I, I'm convinced this is one of the most important gates we wanna to learn to go to. It's a perspective change, and here's why. For us, we live in the valley and I'm not speaking negative of our valley. I've been here, guys, this August will be 37 years, so I have not changed my scenery. Uh, I've been here, and I've watched God do amazing things through our church, and I have a heart for the people that live here, and I want to bring them into the kingdom of God, and I want to show them how to walk with God. I am excited about where I am, but there is a reality here It's tough here. And I have pastor friends who pastor in other places in the country. We lose population. They're gaining population all the time. Do you know what that means? There's always attrition in a church. People die. Some people move, you know, not a lot, but some. And, you know, there's always shifts. Some people find another church and God's leading them, and that's all good. But when you're in the valley, You also have thousands of people every year that just go to another place because they can't find work. And I'm not getting on their case. But if you pastor here, it can be a little tougher. If you have a business here, it can be a little tougher unless you have a recession-proof business. You know know one business that's recession-proof? Just want to don't know if you know it, pizza shops. They're recession-proof. People buy pizza no matter what. As a matter of fact, when it's tougher, they buy more pizza because it's cheaper. And so it, you actually do good, if better if you have a pizza shop. But some of you have regional businesses, so you don't feel anything. Some of you have national businesses, you don't feel anything. But if you have a local business, if you live in the Valley, you feel some things, right? Especially General Motors just closed. But, you know, I remember years ago, not it's been so long, but I'd complain to God and I'd say, why'd you send me here? Why didn't you send me somewhere where people are moving in and businesses are coming? And I just remember God dealing with my heart and said, saying, Joe, I brought you here because I want to prove how powerful and how amazing I am and how miraculous I am. And I want to show you what I can do for your church. And God has done miracles for our church. And I want to show you what I can do for your life. And he said, I want you to be an example. I want you to stand before people. And I want you to boldly proclaim that if you're a Christian, you can walk in through the gate of blessing. The gate of blessing is God helping us above our abilities, and that's absolutely amazing. Sometimes I see some TV preachers, and, and, and of course I'm one, so I like myself, but I see some, and there's not all of them, just a couple they take scriptures like we're gonna look at and they, they twist them like they're tying a bow tie. I mean, they just twist these scriptures like crazy and I get angry with them and I'm like, God, they're ruining it for the rest of it. That's not what it says and they're twisting this and they're twisting that and, and God's dealt with my heart. Joe, teach the truth. Don't twist it like they do, but teach the truth. And then God's dealt with my heart, Joe, I planted you here, you've got to talk about the gate of blessing because people are hopeless in their finances and you need to talk about the gate of blessing. The gate of blessing is God can bless us above who we are god can bless us above our environment where we live and god can bless us above our education level not that education isn't great but he can bless us above that he can bless us above our giftings and i take a look at what god's done through believers with me leading them and i just sometimes i just shake my head because there are pastors out there that have 10 times the ability that i have but you know one thing i've learned to do i just trust in god to do what he can do because i can only do so much anyway but god can do amazing things and i love to watch the testimonies of what god God's done for people in our church. It's amazing. So let me show you what I mean by this. There's a guy in the Bible, his name's Isaac. So God pulled Abraham out, created Israel and the the Jews with him. And then his son was Isaac. Abraham's in heaven. And all of a sudden, a famine hits the land. That means there was no rain for years. The crops are failing. The cows are dying. The cows aren't having babies. Everybody's starving. There's a famine. And I want to show you what God did for this guy named Isaac, who was a guy that loved God, gave to the work of God, helped God. And it's amazing to see what God did for him. And here it is. You ready? Genesis 26, 12. When Isaac planted his crops that year, it's it's a year of famine. It says he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted and it wasn't because he had a special way of, you know, praying over his seeds or, you know, whatever people might do. It's not that he de- designed a new way to plant seed. No, it, it was a bad time and seeds should not produce at all. And this guy had hundred percent, but can I show you why? For the Lord blessed him. It wasn't him. It wasn't his environment. It wasn't his scenery we don't need a change of scenery. We need a change of perspective. And Isaac had it and his perspective was, you know what, wherever I go, God's with me. And I am going to walk through that gate a blessing. And so here's What you and I need to do to walk through that gate, if you want to walk through it at a higher level, I practiced it. I'll tell you some stories before I close. I mean, God's been amazing in my personal life. And I want to make sure you understand some things that I had to believe God for. And I think that's really important for all of us to hear as we go through this gate. A blessing. But God has decided, I don't know why. You know how Jesus said to the man who had the son, he said, if you can believe, God God decides that we have to turn on the, 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 the switch of faith. I don't know why. That's what he decided. That's what he says. Well, the switch of faith for the gate of blessing is for us to be generous. And man, when you're going through a tough time, it's hard to be generous. Sometimes, when you're living in the valley, the last thing you want to do is be generous. But it's amazing what God can do when we're generous. So He's writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and He's saying to the church of Corinth, chapters eight and nine, uh, "I'm going to come and take an offering," and He's getting them ready. And then in chapter nine, verse six, He says, "Now here's here's how God works. If you give a little, you'll be blessed, but it won't be." that much. And and he said, if you give a lot, you'll be blessed all the more. And he's just showing us that level of faith, right? It's going to determine it. And then in verse seven, he said, now you have to do it with the right attitude. And he spoke to us preachers. He said, don't you manipulate the people. So you'll never see me say, hey, if you're given this offering, God's going to give you 1,000 times more. Or if you're given this offering, God's going to heal you. What do you need healing for? You just give big offering, God will heal you. I, I refuse to manipulate people, but I also refuse not to teach the truth, right? I have to teach the truth. So he says all that. And then he comes to verse eight, and that's what I want to read. And that's the verse, man, that's where my perspective has to stay, your perspective, those of us, no matter where we live, but especially if we live in the valley, right? And here's what he says in Second Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make it up to you. So he's, he's telling them, I want you to give. But, but you're not gonna lose what you give because God's able to make it up to you. Notice what he says, by giving you everything you need and more. It's kind of like, in God blessed Isaac, right? Giving you everything you need and more so that there will not only be enough for your own needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. And here's what God's saying. It's a switch. He's saying, you be generous. You give to the work of God. You help the poor. And we just saw guys, Borman, Warren, we just saw how generous you were with, with our compassion offering, I thank you for that. He says, just be generous. This is between you and God, allow God to lead you. I can tell you that Gene and I, we've been tithers our entire life and I've watched God do miracles as we given generously to the Lord. But I had two events in my life and I think this is really important because sometimes people think, well, you're the pastor and you know it's different for you. But I had these two events they go back many years, so I, I'm not sharing anything that just happened in the last you know, five, six years, but, but these are, there are two events. One was the church was going through a tough time, and, and, and I, I was just distraught, and I understood why, and so I went to our board and I said, hey, Gina and I wanna take a, a, a salary cut, and we took a big salary cut, and they said, why? And I said, well, we wanna just help the church out. And I, I said, we prayed it through, we feel it's God, and they just said, are you sure? I mean, that's, that's a cut. That's a good size cut. We said, yeah, we just want to take a salary cut. Why? We want to help the church. You know, you know why I give? Let me tell you why I give. I've done this in every church I've ever been in. God saved me. God saved took a guy that was living in darkness. He opened up my eyes. He brought me into his kingdom. He gave me eternal life. He's my father. Heaven's my future home. And I give to whatever church I'm at. I gave to other churches before I, I give because I want to help the church do more of that for people that are like me. I want to see God pull people out. That's why I give. I don't give to get, but I give because I want to see God do what only God can do. So uh, I, I told the board, I convinced them. And the craziest thing happened. I walked, I walked out of that meeting, and here's what hit my head. Are you stupid? <laughs> you just lost this much of your pay, dummy. And it was like I had a grace to do that, but then when I walked out, it's like, where is that grace? And I get in my car thinking, stupid, 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 and, and, and I drive home, and, I, and, and, and I'm, you know, I, I, I have a budget, and I, I use Excel spreadsheet for my budget. I know where every penny needs to go, and I opened that up, and I looked at it and thought, ooh. Something's gotta go. And so I'm trying to figure what's gonna go. And then I had this thought. I call it the gate of lack. I thought, you know what? Obviously, if I give percentages, that's gonna go down. But I thought, that's not enough. And I thought, you know what? I'm in this gate of lack. I'm just, I'm not gonna give as much. Then I thought, you know what? I already gave anyway. I gave my pay cut goes to the church. So I'm all done for the year. And I'm having all these thoughts. And I just remember God speaking to my heart and saying, hey, hey, hey. You didn't do that to give. You could have wrote a check and never took a pay cut, buddy. You did that because you felt I was leading you and I was leading you. And I remember God just saying, am I not still the God of blessing? Am I not the God that can meet every need in your life? Am I not the God that can multiply? Have I not multiplied? Will I not multiply? Have I not blessed you? And I'm like, yeah, but God, it's not going to come out of my salary. <laughs> it's like, it was a beautiful time in my life because I had to believe God and go through that that gate of blessing changed my perspective. And I remember coming back to second Corinthians chapter nine and verse eight, which says, and God is able to make it up to you. You're not going to make it up, Joe. It's not your job. I'm going to bless you because you're a generous person. And I'm going to make all your ends meet. And I want to tell you guys, it was the most amazing years of my life. I, all of a sudden I had pastor friends some I didn't even know, they'd call me and say, hey, will you come minister at our church on this day or that day? And that means they're going to give you some money. So it's like, whoo, some extra income. And, and, and I, I, I hung up, I say, yeah, yeah, I'll come. And I thought, Lord, I never got any call. I'm not one of those guys that everybody wants to come speak. And I don't know if it's because I don't fit in skinny jeans and they like guys in skinny jeans. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I'm not one of those guys that they say, hey, come in. But all of a sudden I had tons of people calling me. I'm like, Woo. And God is able. And, and some big churches and God is able. And it's like, whoa. And I thought, God, this is pretty fun, man. You're doing what only you can do. And this is amazing. Then I had blessings come from all kinds of other places. It was amazing because God is able. I want to ask you a question. Can you see it? Can you see it? But then listen to this guys. This happened shortly after, shortly after I was um, maybe four or five years later, I wanted to give a raise to the staff and And it just wasn't there. And it was just a percentage raise, like a little cut. They hadn't had a raise in five, six years. And I just wanted to do a percentage. And and it wasn't working. The board said the numbers aren't working. They wanted to, but the numbers weren't working. So I I had an idea. I said, I'll take a pay cut and we'll take what I take and that will make the numbers work. And they look at me and said, Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I saw God do what he did. And, and uh, I said, yeah, I just wanna see some more things happen in my life. So I did that. But do you know the same gate of lack hit me after that? And, and I had those same things come on me and I had to remind myself again that God is Able. And I want to ask you a question, guys. For some of you, I'm dropping something on you for the first time and you're like, whoa, I don't have to depend just on myself. Yeah. And for some of you, you've been generous and generous. I thank you for your generosity. And I don't want you not to not to begin to thank God and expect God, God wants to do some more miracles than you think. And you need to begin to look through that gate of blessing, guys. And I want to ask you a question, are you excited? Are you excited that God is able to bless our life? And can we give it up one more time for God and say thank you, God? We thank you that you're the God of blessing. We thank you. We thank you. All right. I'm getting hungry, so let's pray. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> let's bow our heads close our eyes. You say, I'm glad I have a pastor that wants to go to dinner. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Father, I did my best to open up the Bible. I thank you. We thank you for who you are. And Lord, I know there are many right here now. you you've just, when it comes to hopelessness, when it comes to lack, you just changed their lives. And Lord, I'm not taking an offering. You know that. This is between them and you. And I thank you for speaking and helping people, Lord, change their perspective. Thank you for a perspective change, Father God, in all of our lives. We ask you to grow us, change us forever because we're here and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And maybe you're here and you're not sure if you're forever. You're not sure if you were to die if you go to heaven or hell. Maybe you're not sure if there is a heaven and hell. I I came to that place before I met Jesus. But here's what I want to say to you. There is a heaven. There is a heaven and there is a hell. God died. Jesus, God, the son died so you can escape and go to heaven. It's amazing. And here's what he said. He said, whoever believes in me will not perish, but receive everlasting life. He said, if you call on my name, I will save you. He said, that's what I came to die for. And growing up in America, that's confusing because everybody in America knows who Jesus is. And so it's one thing to know him in the lecture, it's another thing to have your eyes open to, hey, he's the Messiah and to pray and say, I accept you as my personal savior. That changes everything. And I believe in and TCI warned there are people today, this is your day to, to change forever. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're listening, you say, hey, I can't remember a day when I made it real with Jesus, but I wanna do that. I wanna ask you to pray with me right now. Can the rest of us help them? Just pray it, mean it from your heart. And that's what I did when I was 19. The lights went on, it was amazing. So say this after me, the rest of us again, let's help them. Say, Father... I realize I was born sin-stained. And this day, I look to the answer, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins, that God raised you up out of the grave, that you are the Son of God, the way to heaven. And this day, I receive you as my Savior, and I make you Lord of my life. I make a decision to follow you.
0: Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc.